Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Role Models, Juicy Conversations with Beautiful Humans. I'm Jennifer Norman, founder of the Human Beauty Movement and your host. This podcast thrives on your support. So if you like what you hear, follow us, rate us, review us, and share this episode with everyone you know across your networks. So if you're like me, at one time or another, you've been blown away by the power of a really good film or video. The storytelling, the cinematography, the music, how it all just comes together to touch our emotions, entertain us, and open our eyes to a new subject matter. My guest today is filmmaker Greg Hemmings. Greg is the founder and executive producer of Hemmings House Pictures, an award-winning production company that uses film as a way to create social change. Greg's mission is to make the world a better place one story at a time and he's here to tell us about his work welcome greg oh thank you so much for the invite jennifer it's uh it's a pleasure to be here today i'm delighted to have you so you have to tell us how did you first become interested in filmmaking well that goes way back so i'm almost 46 years old right now so let's go back to when i was 16 years old i can't do the math 30 years ago let's go back 30 years and i was in high school and i played drums in a band and uh, uh, like most uh, young lads in a band at that that age, they figured their whole life ahead of them was going to be playing in a rock band and touring the world. That didn't pan out for me, mind you. But that was my, you know, the angle of everything I did was uh, wanted to be in rock and roll. Now, as a result of being in the media studies class in high school, this is way long before digital video editing was there, but we had a little TV kind of set up, a little studio set up at the high school, and I made a music video for my band. <laughs> and I still have it. It's on my face. It's really bad. It's awesome. But it was, you know, we would get all these different VHS tapes and, you know, blend them together. And we made this little music video and I played drums and that was my, uh, the instrument of the time. And uh, I found rhythmically as a drummer, I really found editing pictures together to music very easy. It came very natural for me. And I was like, hey, this is really kind of fun. Maybe I should do a few more of these type of videos. And, you know, through the rest of my high school time, I was just editing as much as I could and always to music, you know, because music was my number one love. And right after high school, I just went to an arts program at the University of New Brunswick in St. John, New Brunswick. And uh, it wasn't really what I thought university was going to be. It was nothing hands-on, you know. So I ended up finding a film school in Ontario after a year of university. And it was more of a community college scenario, but it was very tactile. Like we shot on film, we cut with film. Again, this pre-digital. And I fell in love with the, the art of filmmaking at film school. I thought I was going to be a musician. I ended up falling in love with the form of film. And like I say, it's just there's something powerful about bringing images together with sound and music. And uh, that was the very beginning of a very long story, which uh, I'm happy to share any other parts of it as well. But that's where I got my start. Yeah, it sounds like drumming was the catalyst for opening up the door for that other creative outlet. And it's, I kind of call it like falling forward when you're young, you're experimenting with a lot of things. And it usually leads to another door opening and it becomes your passion. You're like, yeah, this is is something that I can get into. Yeah, yeah. And so you started with editing and then, you know, getting into music production or music video, should I say, production. And then how is it that you started getting into other types of filmmaking? Yeah, well, after film school, I ended up joining the union. Like uh, it's, it's called IATSE. So it's the... Uh, the camera operators union that would be all throughout North America. And I started working on Hollywood film sets. You know, you hear all about this movie magic thing, you know, that, you know, behind 
the screen, there's a lot of moving pieces to make a, a film happen. And sometimes you'd be on a set with 100 other people, maybe 200 other people. Like these are big moving machines. And so I worked in that world for a while, you know, slowly climbing the ladder through the through the union training program. And uh, it didn't take long for me to realize that this was not an industry for me. It was, you know, typically 15 to 18 hour days, you know, for if you're working in the camera department, it was like big, big days. There was a culture of, I call it shame-based learning, where a lot of public shaming, if, if you're very low on the totem pole, there wasn't a lot of respect. I saw the set after set after set. And I was like, I'm a creative person. I don't want to do this anymore if it's going to be sucking the creativity out of me. You know, working in a, an environment, it's not fun when you're not being respected or, you know, I grew up uh, very fortunate not to really experience bullying as a kid, mm. but to experience bullying as an adult for the first time in a career that you're thinking you're about to jump into for the rest of your life was very disheartening. So I uh, quit and uh, quitting was really trippy because I just did, you know, four years of post-secondary education to get into this, worked in the business for two years and realized I just thought that I couldn't hack it. I didn't want to hack it. You know, I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So I left it for a little bit, found myself in the Caribbean on a working cargo sailboat. And I went down to the Caribbean for a few years and found myself. And I realized that I haven't lost my love for capturing adventures on camera and editing together. I was like, I don't need to work in the big film industry on big sets to actually make an impact. So I decided to, to start my own business. And I, I started by filming music festivals and again, more music videos, but like probably thousand hours of live music in the first few years of, of my business. And for me, it was great because as a musician, seeing all my favorite bands and, and multicam edits and all this sort of thing. And I had enough work going on that I could start hiring people. And then, uh, you know, before we knew it, we were uh, a business with employees. And then we started doing TV commercials and corporate documentaries. And then we got our first TV series, a travel series, exploring the world's most expensive luxury items of all things. And then uh, we got another TV series about wrestling and then another one about MMA and then a whole bunch of different TV series later and documentaries uh, brings us to where we are today where we're you know producing a feature film coming up for uh, international market. We've got uh, a number of scripted and non-scripted TV series in the pipe, doing a ton of commercial work, really trying to work with companies in the, uh, not specifically in the B Corp world. We love working with our B Corp family of companies, but we really want to work with companies that have the heart of a B Corp that are really trying to use their businesses as a force for good. We want to help them tell their authentic stories. So we're all over the place. If, it, if it's got to do with telling a story with film, that's where we're we're spending our time. Amazing. That's want... the shortest version of my story I've ever told. I've, I've never said it that short. So Well, uh, I'm going to condense it down a little bit further because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that there's a really valuable lesson here. And that is that, you know, when you're young and you're figuring things out, a lot of times there is hazing. You get into these situations and you realize that it's not a friendly environment and it's not healthy for you to really feel like you can flourish in it. And being able to recognize that early on is a good thing. There are people that can come in and make change and, and adapt in that kind of environment. And that's okay. And that's wonderful too. But for people, especially today, I think that more and more people are recognizing that it doesn't have to be that way. And so it could have been the best gift for you, you know, realizing that there mm. was this, you know, conflict or this situation that you just weren't finding yourself happy at. You recognize that you got out of it. You were able to do a bit of soul searching and find yourself and really understand, you know, get to the root of what your passion was and what you really loved. And then look what happened. You were able to plant a seed, start a business and grow from there and continue doing what you love and generating that goodness and putting out that positivity in such a great way through the types of films and the type of work that you're doing and the people and the stakeholders that you're associating with. So I think that that's a really wonderful story unto 
itself. <laughs> well, thank you for compressing it even more. Like that was, uh, you nailed it. <laughs> now, I would love to talk a little bit more about the type of content that you do create and how you decide to go and produce what you're doing. Yeah. So a number of different angles to this. And it's important to note that I've got a few different companies as well. So on the commercial side, that's where I'd be working with your company, for example, Jennifer, if I if you were to tell your story as a you know 30 second television ad or a social media ad, that's called Hemming's House and Patio Pictures. Patio Pictures works specifically with agencies, with marketing agencies. So it's similar work, different type of customer expectation. But I just put that out there. Just, you know, I'm going to clump those two businesses together because we are not coming up with the ideas ourselves. We're talking with our clients, trying to figure out what their business challenges and how do we use film storytelling to, to help them find solutions. Mm -hmm. So let's just put that off to the side for a second, because that's a really awesome bit of work that we do. I absolutely love finding creative solutions for, for business problems. But on the Hemmings film side, which is my actual television production company, that's all original IP. You know, we come up with an idea and we have to go pitch it to broadcasters. And if a broadcaster wants it, they'll put X amount of percentage of the budget together. Then I have to go finance the rest of it through a bunch of different ways. And from there, we actually produce a bit of television that will be seen around the world, essentially. But how do we get to that point of finding what to produce? Well, when it comes to documentaries, which is really my, my heart is a documentaries, I want to find a story that I personally want to get involved with. So when I see some sort of a movement happening in the world, some sort of a social movement, whether it's got to do with environment or positive social impact or whatever it is, if I feel that our gifts as filmmakers can help to accelerate that movement forward and make positive change, that's my first box I need to check. Does this story need to be amplified? And if it's amplified, is it going to create some sort of positive change in the world that I feel I'd be proud of being part of? So that's one. Two is, okay, now that I've got a concept, is this a story that's sellable? And that's very important because we're all working in business here because films are expensive. You know, mm -hmm. a very low budget documentary would be $115,000. Very low budget. I'll do up to like a TV series that we finished this summer, third season, four and a half million dollars, for example. Like it's a big range, but it's all big money. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a story that some funder, whether it's a broadcaster or, you know, philanthropist or whoever, impact investors are willing to pay. So pay for, I should say. So that turns my creative concept into something, into a product that we need to convince people to put money into to be able to make it, you know? And then from that point, once we have financing to go with, we've got the gem of the idea, then we embed ourselves into that story. And then we, I'll give you an example. We uh, recently finished a, a film in Peru and this particular film was really special because as you know, because I know one of your uh, former guests was talking about ayahuasca retreats, the sacred medicine in uh, the Amazon that's been used forever by a lot of the indigenous people in, um, in Brazil and Peru and Ecuador, et cetera, has now been revealed to the Western world, if you will. And it's a very important medicine called ayahuasca and it's transformational, but it also comes from a, a limited resource, which is a combination of, you know, tree bark and vine and uh, surrounded by a ceremonial context. There's not enough of it to sustain every American and Canadian to enjoy. But the thing is the world probably needs medicine like this to heal a lot of its trauma in, you know, I'm not saying that as a professional, but I'm just saying that as a uh, making some good assumptions 
And um, so we made a film to remind people that this is the IP of the indigenous people. They own this medicine, the sacred medicine. And though there seems to be a real willingness to share that medicine with non-indigenous, we have to be very respectful. I say we, I say non-Amazonian folks who are coming down and creating literally a, a tourism opportunity for a lot of these places. But you know what happens with a lot of money and <laughs> all these sort of things. So we made this film to solve the business challenge of how do we make sure if people are going down into the Amazon for these experiences that they're treading respectfully, they're treading lightly and doing it in a way that can sustain uh, the ecosystem. So that was the challenge that we had to acknowledge. And we were able to go and work with a lot of the indigenous folks there who are really working in the space and let them tell their story, <laughs> you know, and we were able to package it in a way that could be quite uh, consumable by any, I say Western with parenthesis, Western audience, you know, who might be considering something like this. Anyhow, I see that particular project as really important because we see this massive popularity of the idea of going into the Amazon and you know, having a life-changing experience. And I think it's really a great thing, but we just have to be so careful. And before I go do that, one of my ways of doing my own due diligence is to make a film about uh, what the positive and negative impacts would be of that. Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a ramble, but I'm excited about that particular project because it's uh, it's not released to the public yet. It's called Biognosis, and uh, I produced it with uh, Dr. Dennis McKenna, who is a legendary uh, scientist in the field of uh, psychedelics and uh, ethnobotany. And it was a really cool experience to do that. So for me, going back to your first question, it's like, that's a subject area that I care about deeply, but I don't know enough. So mm -hmm. what an opportunity for me to go back to school, if you will, yeah. by making a film. Deep, deep research, connection with the people who are living the, the lived experiences and helping amplify and share stories need to be shared for one reason or another. That's fantastic. I appreciate that as an example. And it reminds me of your mission, which is to make the world a happier and kinder place and, you know, being compassionate to not only the indigenous people that are in the Amazon, but also the planet and being mindful about regeneration and not exploitation. I think that that's a big thing as far as just making sure that we are sustainable in what we are doing and making sure that people are mindful about their consumption and what they're doing, how they're treating others, how they're treating the planet for sure. And so I, I guess, that. yeah. And so that gets to the question about why on earth, you know, your business would want to be a certified B corporation because, you know, yeah. film can exist without being certified and going through the hoops that it takes to become certified. But I would love for you to tell us, you know, what does being a B Corp mean to you and why on earth would you want to be B Corp certified? Well, it's good timing because right before this call, we had our uh, Atlantic Canadian B Corps uh, monthly call. And uh, we're all talking about the, the new certification um, right. measures that are coming in and how arduous and, and detailed it is to become and difficult to become certified. Like, exactly. It's no walk in a park. Yeah, so if you see, if you're a listener or a viewer right now and you're not a B Corp, but you see a B Corp logo on something, you know that that company went through a lot to actually show, you know, to prove the claims that they're making good for the planet and good for people. So anyway, all that to say is a number of years ago, because we've been a B Corp for I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. We were at a point in my business trajectory where we had a number of employees, but we didn't quite have enough consistent sales to ever feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And as an owner of a company, the last thing you ever want to see is a point where you can't pay your people. And I never missed pay one payroll in my life, but there was this one period where we came really close to missing payroll. And I, it was just a terrible, terrible time. And I, uh, I told the whole team that, you know, that this might happen. And it was a real, you know, it was just a really scary
scary time for everybody. And then an opportunity came, a significant dollar project came to our door. And I'll just, I'll just be straight up. I'll tell you what it was. It was a fracking lobby uh, initiative. And the question was, it wasn't a film saying that fracking is a good thing or a bad thing. It was just saying there are multiple sides to the story. And the cool part about that project was the film was about me bringing in the voices of indigenous leaders, oil executives, green party leaders to conservatives, like it was a circle of different perspectives. So mm-hmm. the people where I live could actually hear multiple angles, but it was paid for by the lobby group. So optically, it was what it was. But then a few months later, after the film dropped and we didn't hear anything about it, it became a very contentious issue in, in my province and violent protest and people were hurt, arrested, police cars were burned, like it was a big deal. And whose video started getting circulated by a lot of the conservative circles who were pro-fracking, but it was my video. So I immediately got attached to something that... That I personally was not in line with. I wasn't against it either because I wasn't informed yet. Like I said about the Biognosis Project, what a great way to get informed. That was very uncomfortable. A lot of people who I respect touch and said, why did you do that work for that industry and all this? And it was very uncomfortable. At the same time, I, I saw this video on YouTube called Not Business as Usual. It's still there. And the Vancouver B Corps produced it many years ago. And it was all about this concept of businesses that are operating specifically for positive impact. And I said, like, those are my type of people. So I started looking into it and I was like, the B Corp movement, interesting. I never heard of it before. And then I was like, wow, if we became a B Corp, maybe that would be almost kind of like drawing the line for myself internally about what type of work are we willing to do and not. And I, you know, sometimes as an entrepreneur, you do what you need to do to make sure your people are paid. But if we are certifying that we are doing something, then you've actually created a line that you can't cross anymore. And I wanted to do that for a million different reasons. And that's no attack on on the oil industry at all whatsoever. It's just put us into a place of the type of projects that we want to work with. And I'm not even saying type of industries, the type of projects that we're working on need to be regenerative. They need to be life-giving and create a more holistic community. And uh, if there's a project that we're going to do that's going to uh, encourage division, we're going to walk away from it. So we're not judging in the industry. We're judging what is the intention of the project and what will the impact of that project be. So that's why I wanted to become a B Corp. And we did. And as soon as we became a B Corp, a whole new world of opportunity opened up for us that got a lot of American clients in the B Corp space that have trusted Hemings House and telling their uh, brand stories through film. And we've grown significantly since we became a B Corp. And I'd say most of all of our projects are really in line with the values of the company and the people that work here. And I'm proud of that. That's something that I'll always say, you know, if you're thinking about becoming a B Corp and if you're working in a business like mine that everybody can use video, but mm-hmm. you really want to stay niche, yeah. become a B Corp. And then you've got easy parameters to work to work with them. Greg, I want to thank you so much for sharing all of that very openly because you just shine a light on the difficult decisions that business leaders have to make. Do you make payroll or do you not? Do you go for the easy money or do you not? And it is very easy to convince yourself that it is doing the right thing by taking the money, taking a project like this that may not necessarily align or disalign with your values, but it was about something that you probably knew you kind of didn't really feel so good about, but at the time, it seemed like the best decision for the longevity of your company. Right. Now, yeah. And so being a B Corp or recognizing values come first, values matter first, puts you in a situation where there is more understanding and agreement with your entire company, not just your company, but your stakeholders, everybody around you, that these are the values that we are going to align to. This is our yardstick for what to say yes to and what to say no to and why. 
why. And then you can make those decisions all holding hands together and saying, yeah, we're all choosing together that it's more important for us to live by our values than to make the next paycheck. And doing that gives us some assurance that, yeah, we're all in this together. And that's what stakeholder value is all about. That's what B Corps are all about. And then you find the business opening up for you, as you said, because other people are like, yeah, I want to, you know, hire Hemings House because I know that they're doing things in the right way. They're making decisions in the right way. Their supply chain, everything that they're doing is really all about values first. It's all about putting people and planet before profits. And that's the way that we're going to be able to make this capitalistic society less about money-making and using that as just a yardstick for success, but happiness, joy, mental health, mental wellness, you know, the fact that indigenous people don't feel that they're being exploited for capitalism's sake. And so those kinds of things do make it really important for other people to know, yeah, that's what's behind the B. That's what's behind that logo that you see on these kinds of companies. And that's why, yeah, it's important that if you go into a store and you see that, or if you see that logo on a service provider's website, it really does make a difference. It really does matter. So I, being an entrepreneur myself, my company is also B Corp certified. I know how difficult it can be. And when push comes to shove, and sometimes, you know, you find your integrity really on the line on many, many different decisions Mm -hmm. as a business leader, almost every single day. And the reason why I wanted to become B Corp certified is just like you, I had worked for a lot of companies that time and time again, wonderful people just like us were making dysfunctional decisions. We're making bad decisions because of the bottom line. And it just didn't sit well. When I kept seeing it, when I kept seeing unethical behavior starting to come out, yours was not necessarily unethical. It was just misaligned with values. But yeah, in some cases, cases I had seen pure unethical behaviors, like fudging reports, like, you know, just like really like not telling the truth to, to consumers about what was in your product because it was cheaper to make it without it. And things like that were just time and time again happening. And it really just didn't sit well with me. So I had to make my own choice to live by my own values and live by my integrity and and start my own company in the same way that you did. And, you know, just really kind of lean in for joy and leaning for what we believe, you know, uh, what we believe is a right and, and better way to live. I wonder how many, well, I'm like, you've done a, a number of these episodes, but uh, how many B Corp leaders have the exact same story? <laughs> You know, of some sort of misalignment, as you say, working in, in an industry, working for somebody else. I'm like, no, this isn't working. I, I need to go out and do this on my own. I I'm would sure say it's close to 100% because that's why the B Corp <laughs> movement exists. It's because we had seen this as a problem and we see that there is a better way to do it. And we ourselves want to come together as a community to create that change. And so I would imagine it's probably close to 100%. <laughs> Let's go with that. That's a good stat. <laughs> For a moment, I want to talk about, you know, you've done different kinds of films, the documentaries, you've talked about series, as well as the branded content. You've actually set up different companies within your house to essentially work on these kinds of projects. And I think a lot of people who work for companies or organizations might think like, oh, wow, it's so complicated and expensive to hire a production company to get my message across. Isn't everybody just using their phone anyway to shoot things? And so why don't you tell us what are some of the benefits of working with a production company such as yours? 
Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. And it's neat that you said that about the iPhones and everything in the pocket. Cause like right here, this thing is so powerful. I just shot a, a YouTube series just with this iPhone and it looks great. It's a, this is a powerful tool. Mm. I really encourage people, especially business owners to get out there and shoot their own videos, get out there, try it, feel it, understand it before you hire a production company, because you want to understand what goes into making a video, right? And if you don't have a budget, start by trying it on your own. Uh, the neat thing is eventually you're going to realize that you're not a, you don't have time to do this on a regular basis. And eventually you're going to have to hire a film production company. It just, it's going to happen. But instead of just being scared by putting a lot of money on a film production company and not knowing where the money's going, understanding the process is really important. So coming to the defense of spending money on, let's say a marketing agency or a film company. A lot of times people will go to a marketing agency and the agency will then hire the film company. That's a lot of money right there. An agency on their own is, you know, but a marketing agency is, is giving you strategy, they're, you know, ad buys, figuring it all out. And then they would deploy a company like ours. But if we're working directly with client, with a small business, for example, what you're getting with us is insurance that the money is uh, going to be creating something that's going to be impactful. It's going to be properly researched. It's a third party perspective. You can tell all your own stories that you want, and it's a good idea to do so. But when you have real proper film script writers who, and researchers who are really pulling out the nuggets of your brand that need to be shared with your stakeholder groups, that's powerful. When it comes to production, movies are expensive. You know, we're talking multi-multi millions for most movies that you'll see in the theater. A lot of it has to do with incredible skilled talent that are coming to the table. Directors of photography, cinematographers who have many years of, of experience capturing that perfect light coming through the trees. You know, like there's there's quite an art to it. You know, mm. the gear, one lens uh, in our lens. We've got a lens kit of eight lenses. One lens in that kit is about $50,000. This is glass that is just mm. perfect, perfectly crafted lenses to bring. So it depends on what the client can afford, but the more that they're able to afford, the more we call it putting the money on the screen. So you can do a, a you know, a video for five to $10,000. That's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. You can do the exact same video for a hundred thousand dollars. It's going to turn heads. So nobody's discluded from entry. Like if you have no budget, you can definitely make an effective video internally yourself or with your staff. If you've got a little bit of a budget, you can find a production company like ours that have a little bit more of a, a lower impact video offering, which is a little bit, you know, one day shoot only, less uh, upfront development. But the less upfront development you do, the higher risk you have, because you want to make sure that you're actually producing something that's going to work. And that comes with a lot of research and upfront development. So, and then if you work with a production company, this is just what they do every single day, week after week. Yeah, they're pumping out really high quality videos. It's just a great way to show up in your market looking professional the way you deserve to look. And the authenticity part too is really important. It's like we live in a world of a lot of greenwashing and whitewashing and you know companies saying that they do something, but they clearly don't. Film is a very powerful way to express your authentic story. And if you do it wrong, it can be very damaging. If you do it right, it can be incredibly fruitful. I think if the folks who do it wrong are companies and brands who are trying to control their, their own message for the wrong reasons, but the ones who are really eager to connect with their stakeholder group authentically, those are the ones that are making true connections. I just think about Patagonia, how many great film stories that they've put out. None of them are about Patagonia. Like, yeah, you might see some Patagonia gear, but not intentionally. You're going to see it because the people love the brand, but you see them making films, short films about hemp farmers or, you know, different type of uh, sustainable aquaculture or, you know, different adventure films and skiing and mountain climbing. And they're just talking to their stakeholder groups. That's it. They're giving them the gift of uh, amplification. They're not 
saying come buy anything from us. Mm -hmm. They just happen to be throwing the party, you know, and uh, that's where I get excited about branded content. Like you mentioned earlier is we can help companies put content out that's not overtly saying come buy from us, but it's just saying, hey, we're here. We're part of your community and we want to help, you know, and that's where I think film, you know, positive impact film storytelling can come in really handy if that's the type of company that you want to be and show up in that way. Absolutely. Is there any type of company that you feel you're mostly aligned with? I know that you said like at first, you know, startup, you know, do your own thing and then, you know, start looking for a production company. Are you at that level? Are you at like that? You know, come see us first or are you at a, you know, a different level in terms of the. We're, uh, yeah, we're not really, we're not the best people to come to if you don't have a budget, but hey, yes, call us if you have minimal to no budget because I want to talk to everybody and meet everybody. And guess what? Someday you will be at the point where you can, you know, have a budget, <laughs> you know, so definitely give companies like mine a call or CEOs and, uh, you know, founders like myself a call anytime. The range that we work on would be kind of that middle budget range uh, when it comes to uh, working directly with companies. So that would be kind of on the low end, like ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 would be very, very bottom shelf of where we would be. All the way up to a quarter of a million dollars for projects that we, we do for companies. But what we do like to do is people out when we can. Sometimes there's low seasons and slow seasons where we can do things where, you know, we can do two or $3,000 projects. If we've got time and capacity, we'd love to help because we do know the more you give, the more you receive, just that natural law. So we do help startups. We don't typically chase after startups because typically that's not really the the place where we should be spending money necessarily is bigger budget videos if you're in startup mode. Now, if they're heavily VC financed, different story, but you know, that's a whole different game. I'm talking about a lot of our friends in the B Corp world who may be in the first five years of their company and maybe they're doing a million, million and a half of sales a year. It's a big investment to do a twenty thousand dollar video yeah. you know it's big so we take very good care of those people and really try to challenge say do you really need this video yes we do okay well we're going to do it in the most economical fashion as possible so yeah so that's kind of where where we're at and we would never want to lose the opportunity to meet meet people we can also triage too because we know a lot of other video makers in the space who are awesome and values aligned yeah. so i'd encourage anybody to hop on the call with me or email and if it's not a fit there's a number of awesome b corp video companies that are popping up all over the place and they're they're all wicked so wicked in the good wicked east coast canada from the 1980s and 90s right. uh, and you, you, you say rate wicked so you know r-i-g-h-t but you pronounce it like rate like rate wicked so if you ever want to pretend to be canadian you can you can say ah oh, that's rate wicked just <laughs> put that in your back pocket Noted, noted. <laughs> so Greg, how can people find you and your companies? Yeah, so the quickest way is Hemmingshouse.com. H-E-M-M-I-N-G-S house.com. From there, you'll get uh, links to patio pictures and you'll also get links to Hemmings Films and lots of stuff to explore there. You know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and on Facebook. I'm not a Twitter guy. I definitely <laughs> have Twitter, but uh, that's not the quickest way Especially to go. Especially not anymore. Uh, um... <laughs> I, I'm not. I don't have the blue uh, the blue check, uh, nor will I probably ever, but that's okay. Um <laughs> If you're in the B Corp community, I highly encourage you to engage in the Beehive. And I told you about this, John, the Impact Media subgroup is one that I put together for podcast, people to 
share their podcasts, share their videos, share their content it has something to do with the B Corp universe. But you know, you can find me on the Beehive quite a bit. And you can also just email me, Greg at Hemmingshouse.com. And I, I try to get my inbox to zero every single day, usually starting at five o'clock in the morning, getting <laughs> yesterday's uh, right down to zero. So I rarely miss people's emails. That's usually the best way to get hold of me. <laughs> well, Greg, you are a treasure. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you so much for joining me on the Role Models podcast today. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Jennifer. What a great opportunity to chat. Thank you.